0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Home and Away, a podcast devoted to all things in and around the world of Sporting Kansas City soccer. I am Drew Vanderpool, joined once again as always by my good friend Cody Welton. This week on the podcast, after starting the season losing 7 of their first 10 games, Sporting Kansas City has now only lost once in their last 7. Peter Vermees preached patience, patience easy for me to say, and predicted this return to form and it has been a welcome change in the quality of play on the field. Something we have meant to cover for a couple weeks now is the polarizing nature of Andreu Fantas. He's a statistician's dream, but often draws the ire of people actually watching him play. We'll get into why tonight. We really struggled to come up with a topic for Potpourri tonight. Um, There really isn't much happening at all in the world of MLS. Not much to really talk about. I, I, I guess we'll try to find something when we get to that part of the podcast. Finally, we preview the match against Austin FC this weekend, and the dire state of the injury list defining who can actually participate in it. Cody, uh, soccer is fun in Kansas City again, and and not just because of the results. Obviously, good results make everybody feel better, but this de- this team is doing fun things. Uh, they they look they're an enjoyable soccer team to watch again. Vancouver was a little bit of a grind, some of it player availability, some of it the surface, schedule density, all those kinds of things are going to impact that third game in seven days. But I can see Sporting Kansas City executing a plan with regularity, and that was something I'm not sure we had seen as clearly prior to the first of May.
1: Yeah, I think we always uh, knew that they had a plan because they are coached by Peter Vermes, who is a, a master planner and meticulous in the way that he prepares the team, which is why it's so you know frustrating when they don't uh, perform. But you can see, as you said, the plan coming together, and and it's obvious that the plan um, the plan really hinges upon having uh, your designated players um, on the field and producing. Um, whether it's you know eric tommy you know smashing in golazos or whether it's got got you know driving into the box or alan Polito you know getting really beautiful header goals um those 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 are the things that need to happen to have a good team um and and even once those guys had had gotten back um, it's taken them a few games to sort of get up to speed uh, Especially Pulido and, and I think that he still you know, he still has a, a little bit to go um, Same with Gotti, uh, but you know, you're starting to see how how they're supposed to play and how how Peter Vermes envisioned them playing um, But you know to be fair you also see still that that drop-off, you know when we bring in subs um, and we when the substitutes um uh, there have been times when the substitutes have, have worked really well. Um, Vancouver was not one of those times uh, and I think that the substitutes kind of had a, a very hard time impacting the game when they came on and so you can, you can see um, you can see the, the the ceiling of the team definitely but you definitely know also the, the, the floor and uh, and the players that are responsible for lowering the floor.
0: I mean it's it's MLS. The way that the salary cap and the teams are structured, the highest-paid players are generally going to be significantly better than the lowest-paid players. I know with the advent of allocation money and TAM and and those kinds of things like that, they try to create a middle ground between a DP, you know, a max a max uh, charge player and these guys making two hundred thousand dollars a year. But what's happened is is that they've just added a lot more significant quality two spots four to seven on the roster maybe four to eight on the roster and the the backups for those positions are generally still two hundred thousand dollar over year players that just don't have the same level and it's just not it's not uncommon in MLS as a whole look at how bad Seattle has been for the past month they lost Jordan Morris they don't have Raul Ruiz Diaz Albert Rusnak is regressing at the level at a significant level, which makes RSL look pretty smart for letting him go. If I'm candidly mm-hmm. honest. Um, and Christian Roldan's been out and yeah. say what you want about Christian Roldan. He makes that team go. He is their Roger Espinosa. Yep. He is the guy that makes them function and him being out and they have zero bite in their midfield and zero um, energy as a result of, of his absence. And you can see that they struggle. And this is not uncommon for any MLS team, so yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not making excuses for Sporting Kansas City. I think that it is on the coaching staff to get players into positions to be successful. I think it is on the scouting staff to find these players that are capable. But also, we are going to deal with inconsistencies in form, especially sure. once you get to these backups. And you saw that against Vancouver. You play Saturday, when or excuse me, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. And the last of those being after a, a four and a half hour flight, to go play on a surface that looks like it's like the carpet from a dorm room that hasn't been changed in thirty years. Like it it's gonna be hard. Yeah. And um it's gonna be hard to look good in that circumstance and sporting did not look that great. Um yeah. I do think the tactical plan was pretty pragmatic, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. And we'll talk about that when we get to tactical corner. I think Vermise was um uh, extremely pragmatic. Now, granted, it I will I don't know if it was all pragmatism or just the ability of the players and that's how we it looked pragmatic because of the players that we had on the B- field. Both
1: those things could be the, tr- yeah. the the truth, you know.
0: Two things can be true, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But we're also seeing what happens when you have your best players available, when they're in game form, they're they're in ma- they're match fit as we like to say. Kinda and Polito are still a little rusty, but neither one of them played for 14 months. Or more yeah. so that that is it to be expected um and but you can see as you saw with the goal that polito scored against vancouver what their quality level is yeah, so when they, when they're able to really put it together they have the ability to do things that these other players just don't have well
1: i think i think uh uh, Marina Chones has uh, shown a lot in these last few games, and I think that that's really worth mentioning. You know, that's a that's a player who is a uh, a backup player, a spot starter, a young U twenty two guy, and. Uh, I think that he has really stepped in uh, and filled in for Johnny very well. Um, I mean, that's he. It's still he has a lot lower ceiling than Johnny, and and he has struggled to really um, maybe create chances and that sort of thing. But he, but he hasn't been a detriment, right? He hasn't. And his his defensive work rate, his he he his tackling these last few games has been really up there. His pressing has been good, um, and he's never afraid to take people on uh, uh, off the dribble, and and that. That's what you want out of your winger, uh, and the only thing missing from him is that is the production in the final third, and um, he's still young. you know. That's something that, that's going to have to come.
0: Some of that can still be, too, that he's playing out of position. He's really a left yeah. winger. He's not a right winger. He's right-footed playing on the right wing, but also trying to play from wide, which is not ideal. Um, So I think he's not going to push Shallowy off the field. That's not happening. So um, he has to take the opportunities that he has and do the best that he can from that position. He has been fairly successful, significantly more successful than Kyrie Shelton has been in that position. So I think that from that perspective, he's earned the right to continue to play as long as as long as Johnny is injured and get and, and spell Johnny for some minutes when necessary, which I think is the most important thing. We know we've been we've been talking on this podcast for two years about overusing Johnny and what it does. And we're seeing the impacts of that now. And I think having an alternate option for him is is extremely positive and you're right. Yeah. They're, they're, he's been very bright is the way I would describe mm-hmm. it. Yeah. He looks a lot more like a $600,000 year winger than Kyrie Shelton does. Let me put it that sure. way. Sure. And, and I think from that perspective, you know, you're getting some value out of him and he is the only U 22 player we have on the attacking line. And it's good to see that bear some fruit. Um, But I would like to see him get to play on the left. Some he, he got switched over there a couple times against Vancouver mm-hmm. and did some cool stuff when he was there And you can see that he is much more comfortable in that position.
1: Yeah. um, And and I think that that it's uh, he's an exciting player to watch, too. And we've we've talked about how the the uh, the game is it is a game and it's it's supposed to be entertaining. And you want to see players who who are are willing to go out there and entertain and uh, and sometimes that means you try things that you can't pull off or that don't get pulled off. And that's, uh, that's okay. He seems to, um, he seems to have the license and the confidence to go out there and keep trying. And, um, and I think that he, he we just have to hope that he puts all those pieces together and, uh, and can really, uh, take another step. And if he doesn't, you know, if he's, if he's, uh, if he's a backup, then he's a backup and that's okay too. It's, uh, you, you need, you need all kinds of players on your team. And so, um, I'm, I've just been, I just want to mention him cause I've been really happy with him. I, I do think that, that, um, just to go back to something we talked about last week, uh, a, a big, um, reason that the team has been, um, so settled and so uh, uh so reliable in their uh, in their defensive and offensive production is um is that that shape and that balance and like if you look at their passing maps for the last two games like they're practically identical honestly um and it's um and it's a it's they're left-handed as we always see you know they're attacking down the left we everybody knows that about this team but um everybody is seeing the ball the ball is finding um you know we have Uh, uh, An actual number six who is providing a structure and is the hub and um, and and the rest of the team, the rest of the outfield players are passing uh, to one another and to him. And I think that um, I I just think that that structure and that balance has been um, a really important thing for the team. Um, and it's allowed them to bring in someone like Chonis because, you know, you can, you can, you can take chances. You can, um, you can maybe, you know, sometimes lose the ball if you know that you have that structure behind you.
0: He's quite literally the hub, Radoya. He, he's been, uh, if you look at those passing maps, he's like in the dead center of it with the spokes coming out from him.
1: It's beautiful, um, it, honestly. It, it, <laughs> it makes it, me it, so happy whenever I look at him. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh,
0: you're you're right, especially against Dallas. And uh, let maybe let's talk about that. The, the tactical plan against Dallas seemed pretty clear, which was to attack their the right side of their defense. They had a um, a homegrown kid that had never played in an MLS game, playing right mm-hmm. back for them, and it was very clear where Sporting wanted to send their attack. And I mean, it was. I mean, I'm not saying that that um, that Dallas had many choices as far as what they could do with their right-back situation, but the fact that it was to put a homegrown with no MLS minutes uh, to play against Sporting's left side was an interesting choice. Um, but they went at them fairly regularly, and Dallas defended extremely narrow. Did you notice how mm-hmm. narrow they were defending? Which yeah. was also a pretty wild choice against Sporting, who loves to play wide. Uh, But I I would say they just they ruthlessly attacked that left side for the first 25 minutes or so. And I think Vermees was dead accurate when in in the press conference after the game, when he said we should have been doing it more, like for some reason we stopped. And yeah, but the first 25 minutes were super fun soccer to watch. They were being very aggressive, but also flowing very well off of each other. And that's the stuff that that's entertaining. Like you said, soccer—it's a game. It should be fun. It should be entertaining, and it was extremely entertaining for the first twenty-five minutes or so.
1: Yeah, and one of the one of the big differences um, in the two games is you had um, Kinda starting in the uh, in the Dallas game uh, versus uh, Voltaire starting in, at, in, at the game in Vancouver, and uh, and Kinda was um, a huge huge problem for for Dallas and. Uh, he was um, he was super dangerous. He was uh, constantly combining with um, with Shalovi and Adenbay down that side, uh, and I mean it's good to see him. And just like we just talked about, you know, it's it's uh, a designated player out there doing what they're supposed to do. And um, I think that Kinda just kind of a uh, he's an interesting. Player to have as a designated player because he's not, he's not your prototypical like number ten. He's not out there pulling strings. Uh, he's not. Um, he he doesn't score lots of goals, uh, but he's he's constantly a problem for teams to deal with uh, because he is uh, he's just very very quick and very active, and he um, he is super uh, adept at receiving the ball and and turning in tight spaces and making something happen. Um, out of out of seemingly nothing um and it just sets teams back on their heels because he's kind of he's kind of un- unpredictable and you know when you have that when you have that sort of unpredictability um and 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 you have shallowy either on the outside or on the inside of him just waiting to to find uh the little pockets that are opened by that un- unpredictability uh it just it just unbalances defenses and it's um i mean it's pretty it's it's pretty cool to watch, honestly, because, like I said, he's he's not a you know he's not what you would consider like a traditional number ten, uh, but it's really cool to see how effective he is nonetheless.
0: Well, and you you wouldn't normally employ a traditional number ten in a four three three. That's not the type of player you look for in that. But he he's creative enough. I'd wouldn't call him like a creative midfielder, but um, what his skill set is is really looking for his teammates. So while he's not necessarily trying to hit the most creative pass you've ever seen or really let's like hold the ball, pause on it, and let his runner go through and deliver the final ball. That may not necessarily be what he's trying to do. He's exceptionally aware of his teammates, their positioning, what run they're making and where they're going. And he plays off of them extremely well. And I think that's the thing that works so well with Shallowy. And I think that's what sort of unlocked Daniel Shallowy over the last few games is that Daniel really needs someone to play off of him. Like, if they're interchanging extremely well with their runs, especially when Shallowee likes to invert and get inside, that Gotti understands when that run's coming, when to roll off the back of him to create problems for the fullback or the center back that's trying to rotate over. And it and it either allows Gotti to be free right on the edge of the 18 towards the end line, or it allows Daniel Shallowee to cut in between the fullback and the center back and go straight at the near post and either of those circumstances are really positive for sporting and really difficult for the opponent to deal with because they have to view both of those players at the same time. And that was just not happening with Tommy. Tommy's not that kind of midfielder. He's, um, again, we we hesitate to call him a ball hog, but he's not a, he, he looks for his own shot. He doesn't look for someone else's shot or he doesn't look to create space for someone else's shot. He's trying to create space for his own. And that, caused he and shallowy to often be in the same place and not yeah. playing with each other just sort of being there
1: yeah he's i um, mean yeah, he- one of Tommy's best attributes is he's uh, he's a very sort of progressive player. He's always going towards goal, uh, whether it's whether it's dribbling or passing. Um, uh, but he is not a combiner, and, and I think that that's kind of what you were you were uh, getting to is that he doesn't he doesn't necessarily do well, you know, bouncing the ball off of other players, and making runs into the box, those sorts of things. Uh, he functions best when you know when he can receive the ball and unbalance the defense by 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 dribbling at them, uh, and then find a shot or, or uh, perhaps a pass. And it's, um, it's just interesting to see um, whether it's him and, and or him and, and Johnny Russell. I mean, they're, they're kind of, they're two similar kinds of players in, in that respect, but you have one attacking half spaces and the other attacking um, um, from wide, maybe a little bit deeper. And um, but but they're both going to goal and trying to um, trying to disrupt defenses that way. Um, and and I think the the thing to the thing to watch is just to to see how. Polito deals with that how polito responds to um, those things as polito comes more and more into form and and I don't think we've seen yet like a, a, a strong predictable um, pattern um, of, of polito getting scoring chances um, and and I would expect for that to be coming I mean that you know by 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 the, by the time they come back from Nations League I think that um, that polito should pretty much be, where he should.
0: Yeah. He, um, he almost got a goal early in the Dallas game off of a really nice sort of combination play between kind of Shallowy and then him. And he really played off of Shallowy's movement very well. So I think he's starting to get that and he can see the, he was, you could tell in the first 20 minutes, especially with so much going down the left side, there was a lot of flow to how they were playing. There, there was, there was movement and it was progressive flow and it just made sense. And you could tell Polito was sort of getting that. Right. And, and understanding where to be to put himself in a place to either draw a defender and create space for his teammate or to roll off the shoulder of that guy to give a place for a pass. I think he's still struggling with it on the right side because, again, these are guys that are more like dribble until stuff comes near me. And then what do I do in that circumstance? Are you going to slip me the ball if you, if you pulled defenders to you or not? I think they're still trying to figure some of that stuff out. But, um, I think to your point earlier, he's still got a little ways to go as far as his sharpness in finishing those chances when they come. We've seen a few of them where he looks like old Polito, but we've seen some others where he doesn't. And I think that that's the part of it that just still is going to come with reps. It's just time more than anything.
1: I think the thing to remember is that the is that the structure of the team now, especially with Roddy and the team, uh, is such that you basically have um, – when the team is in possession and in um in the other team's half of the field you basically have five ish defenders and five ish attackers and if you if you look at the 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 positional maps and the and the passing maps I mean you'll see those five attacking players like actually really closely linked together and, and, and all across, uh, maybe, you know, 20 yards away from goal, that sort of thing. And, and, um, I think that the part of the reason they've been successful is you actually have, um, right now five players who are, who are willing and able to attack. It's not, you know, two players who are doing the attacking and, and three players sitting back. Um, because that is, that is really what, um, Th- that's what causes problems for that's um, how Kinda scored the first goal it is it's exactly and how he scored there were that's five like the first thing i texted you right yeah. was like five, there were five five guys in the box five yeah and that is Wild. that's just not that's just it's not something that happens often enough with um with peter Vermees' coach teams in my opinion uh but that's how when you look at how uh um how elite teams in for, for example, the premier league, like, I mean, I think people tend to forget that, that, that the many of the teams in the premier league are elite defensively. Like, like if you're trying to play against, you know, a, a premier league team that knows how to, how to deploy a, uh, a four, four, two low block. And they're just, uh, that is, uh, um, I mean, they're doing it at a super, super high level. And, uh, and the way that you, um, compensate for that obviously you have you have world-class players but but you get players in the box you have to do that and teams that score uh, a lot of goals and teams that play entertaining attacking soccer get players in the box
0: that's you have to overwhelm the opponent and create chaos that's how you defeat defenders because like you said most defenders are pretty adept once they're in a structure um and if you're not trying to disrupt that structure you're Going to sit and pass the ball around in your umbrella of despair, as you've often discussed. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I this is this also goes along the lines of good players are good, good players are going to recognize these things, have the confidence to make these runs, understand where the runs need to be, and do it regularly. Uh, whereas not as good players are going to be concerned about did they overstep their positioning, did they get out of their rest defense position, do they know how to retreat if necessary, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera there's more there's more thinking going on versus playing and i think mm-hmm. that, that that's you just see it that's that's the difference in value between a better soccer player and a worse soccer player and that i mean it's inevitable like i said on an mls team you're going to have these gaps in quality i think um, what what the best teams in this league have done has figured out how to augment their best players with young players, either from their academy or from U22 or from scouting or whatever, that they can they can employ for the wages of a backup in MLS, and still get quality out of them that is not as big of a drop off. That they understand some of those things, um, and also they're just they're just getting value out of those positions. That's the key in MLS, in my opinion, is. You know, getting like LAFC got Diego. Diego Palacios was making like 300 grand a year. You know what I mean? They they have. Um, they, you know, Philadelphia Union have guys like Jack McGlynn playing regularly for them. And we don't have we don't have a. Um, or or Brandon Craig or who was just playing at the U 20 world cup and playing very well at center back. Like we don't have those types of solutions on this team, which makes Jake it Jake Davis, that, baby. I mean, Jake has been great, <laughs> but he was also absolutely cooked at the end of the Vancouver game. Yeah. And, and he had only played 45 in the other two matches. And so it also shows that he's got a fitness problem with playing that position regularly you wouldn't expect a 21 22 year old to play two 45 minute halves and then be smoked at the end of the at the end of the 90 of the next game um and yeah i understand it's three matches in 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 7 days but i mean shallowey didn't have a problem playing all those minutes so I, I think that there is a there is a there's a difference there in 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 the capabilities of the of the players that sporting has uh lower down the roster
1: well i think that i think that uh, part of the reason that you saw peter vermees uh, very consciously uh, rotate um, especially those fullback spots is is those uh, those are very very physically demanding positions to play even more so than uh, than shallowy spot and uh, maybe the only thing the only position more demanding uh, in in the system would be uh, those those uh, number eights um, but um, you I- I- with 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 Davis, I mean, he's not been he's never been a, a full-time starter at MLS level, and and with Ndenbe, he's uh, he's coming back from you know, some some injury, and so um, the nice thing Turning is that, to
0: injury actually right,
1: too. Uh, The nice thing is that um, is that you have Leibold uh, um, now to to give Ndenbe a a break Um, and unfortunately now we're down a right back and so uh, that's going to make that uh, that position I think uh, even more uh, tenuous going forward.
0: Yeah it it sounds like Pierre is a little ways away but is at least practicing regularly. It sounds like his hamstring strain was his hamstring injury was pretty significant and you need to be extremely careful coming back from that or you can re-injure it very easily so and we'll get into hamstring injury FC here in a second, but um, there's definitely a, a concern. And I think the staff is trying to be careful about how fast they bring Pierre back. I, I, the good news is sporting doesn't have to play another midweek game. What till June 21st, which is the, at, at the galaxy. So they've got um about three weeks until they have to do another three, three game week. So I, I think that's good news. And, hopefully they can get some of these um some of these folks back and and healthy but that that's a topic we'll we'll dig into here in a second um but it was it was fairly obvious against Vancouver that they were pretty smoked like yeah. and, and i mean again it's saturday wednesday or sunday wednesday saturday and you're flying to vancouver and i mean jesus can we i want to put a petition into like ban carpet from this fucking league like that is the most garbage surface i've ever seen in my life like whenever you do a close-up on it you can see like half of it i always thought like the different colors in it were just because they were like you know just the the blades were like pushed one way or another no Mm -hmm. half of it is matted to the ground like it is absolute trash uh, I, I, well, don't, I, mean, I don't so understand what, so, why so matches what's gonna are happen, played Drew, in a place like
1: this. What, what's going to happen is those, those venues are either going to have to put grass or not have messy play there. And that's like I'm not even joking. That is the I, truth. I, I I'll
0: be interested to see about how some of this goes because and well you know what we we haven't even got to you're you're you're,
1: you're like I'm,
0: burying I'm the, you're like you're like getting way the... <laughs> ahead of the, the, the the rundown okay? but this
1: is but this is the truth this is you know it's it's a, it's one of the most frustrating things about MLS um, is the the continued use of of turf by some of the top teams in the league Seattle and, and Portland have outdoor stadiums yes in yes. on turf yes Charlotte, in places that can outdoor. grow grass
0: right uh, charlotte you can't tell me you can't go fucking grass in charlotte north carolina yeah. are you serious mm-hmm. they they're on turf I, mm-hmm. I mean now i i get the charlotte situation is related to the nfl and
1: mm-hmm. nfl team with atlanta
0: nfl well but atlanta but atlanta's while wow, the 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 roof opens they don't really have an outdoor stadium like it's a little bit different um the 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 stuff in some of these nfl stadiums they they don't want to play on grass for some reason i don't get it like you talk to even football players they're like i would much rather play on grass it's much easier on my body it's much like there's just i don't get it i i like is it that hard to employ a good groundskeeper like seriously yeah
1: it is. I mean, I mean, growing grass. Look at look at all the problems that Sporting Kansas City had for years, um, with fungal infections and this and that. And it wasn't until I mean, now they have those you know big time grow lights that have wheels on them that they roll out and. Uh, well, not just and that, they, but they have
0: a director of turf operations that like knows right. what he's doing. Like Casey's awesome. Like that guy. And and they also quit doing all this dumb shit, like putting buzz buzz beach ball on the on the stadium <laughs> in the middle of summer and like all the other stuff that just. <laughs> Yeah, like bro, you, you spent millions of dollars on your grass and you got a bunch of people standing on it for a concert. Like, are you serious?
1: Um well, so, so they didn't even stand on it. They they covered it with like plastic things. Like you And then put stages on, on top of it. And right, then put stages right. so on it. So it was top. just like I don't know, man. It's weird. Anyway, they don't do that I'm anymore. Bu- Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> the the only thing that happens in that stadium is playing soccer. Um which is which is You know, the only other the the place that the only place I can think of that has recently been constructed that like has a concept of doing this is Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And they specifically take the grass pitch out. Like it's got this whole elevator system. It splits into a bunch of pieces, and they they remove it. So when the NFL plays games there, they have ter- they have a turf setup that goes onto a second platform that they play on. When they do concerts there, mm-hmm. they pull the grass out and they have a completely separate thing. Like they spend they, a lot that's, of money. That's the
1: same with the uh, Phoenix. Uh, oh yeah. Well, they Phoenix like they, huge... they
0: roll it out, but yeah, that have, that, yep. that was a bit of a problem at the super bowl. So I don't know if that's necessarily, well, that I,
1: don't, I don't even know. Well,
0: that, there's, yeah, that, that, that field tore up and was pretty bad. I I think that was more related to some very poor management of that mm-hmm. situation than it was necessarily the fact that the thing rolls out and the same thing I in think, Houston, Houston, the thing rolls out and they have like irrigation for it. But
1: I think what but, we're getting to is that there's, there's, there's options, you know, that there, if you, there, there's a, there's a chance here to be creative and uh, and find a solution that, that works at um, that is preferable to playing on turf because professional soccer players should not be playing on turf. No argument from me
0: here. And I think the teams that do it are cheaping out because they have some sort of agreement with another stadium. They don't want to have to deal with And I'm not saying it's easy to build a stadium in Seattle. Like this is part of the problem is that where some of these places are, they're stuck playing where they're playing because it's not like, you know, prime real estate in Seattle is easy to come by to build a soccer stadium at. And so now you have to convince the Seahawks that they want grass and it's a whole separate conversation or either fund it and like be responsible for maintaining it. Like I get all of those issues related to it. Um, I'm not saying it's a simple fix, but the stuff in Vancouver is, I mean, the turf is bad. I hate turf, but the stuff in Vancouver is like garbage. Like It makes the stuff in Seattle look like grass by comparison. It's terrible.
1: Well, and uh, New England, their their turf used to be on that level of terrible. And they upgraded. And even players around the league said how much better it was. And so you you, have, you almost have to actively like not give a shit, um, uh, to, to have a, a field, uh, surface that's that bad and that unplayable.
0: Does, does Vancouver even, I mean, Vancouver whitecaps don't own BC plays. They're leasing it. No so I'm sure, I'm sure. And so they'd have to like pay money for a place that they don't own. So
1: it's, it's so, it's so weird to me, drew that like, um, you know, we're, we're at a point where, uh, Teams are individuals or consortiums are playing hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for franchise uh, rights, you know, to buy into this league. Um, And and yet uh, they they cry poor if if it comes to um, having a stadium or having a uh, a stadium that doesn't have turf. And so. But
0: here's the thing. But Vancouver didn't pay that. The owners of Vancouver. I I realize that. that. I think that's part of the problem is that. And this is why certain – there's enough members of certain committees within MLS ownership that won't allow them to take the shackles off on the salary cap, that won't allow certain other things to happen because they're not in the same financial position as a Joe Mansueto who would absolutely like immediately spend – hundred million dollars on his roster
1: and it was or like it was like well, oh David have to have Tepper
0: a... or any of those guys like some of these guys that are new owners in this league including the Moss brothers who we'll get to here in a little bit that have the ability and Cliff Illig is one of them let's be candid yeah. like Cliff Illig when when he and the Patterson family sold Cerner he made several tens of billions of dollars in that transaction so this guy is fine um and Candidly, I've had conversations with people at Sporting that say that if you were to start a team today, like the like the situation going on in San Diego. Yeah. Um, like if you were to start a team today, if you wanted to enter MLS right now, it's a billion dollar check you're writing. Yeah. Because yeah. it's five hundred million dollars to for the expansion fee. Mm-hmm. And then it's five hundred million dollars for the infrastructure. That's even before you talk about anything else. It's a billion dollar check just to get the stadium. And the the uh, expansion fee paid, and yeah, it's weird when that's the cost of entry that we have teams functioning in the way the Vancouver Whitecaps do.
1: All right, and uh, and and I, I just want to like make sure that we caveat that the, the reason I feel that way is because MLS is a single entity um, um, business. You know, they have the, they have the ability to allocate funds or to. Uh, or to dictate that their teams do things that are in the interest of the league and having uh, good playing services is in the interest of the league. They've even done that. you know they, uh, for a lot of, for a lot of places, uh, for a lot of cities that are trying to buy in, you know the, they part of the, the, the cost of buying in is making sure that you have a soccer specific stadium um, unless, Unless you're, you know, Arthur Blank or David Beckham or uh, or, or City Football Group, uh, then, the, then the rules get kind of, you know, blurred for those teams. But in fairness um, to Arthur
0: Blank, Arthur Blank replaces that turf annually inside that stadium. Yeah. And they, they carpet up, they, they vacuum up the lines. They've got a whole thing in there to make it look like a soccer stadium. Yeah. Every time it, they like spend a lot of effort. With the understanding that 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 stadium's in downtown Atlanta. They can't just wheel the field out sure. yep. and, and spray it down and take care of it. And it, like it, it needs to be turf. I understand why. But they also do everything they can to limit how bad the turf is there. Yes, things in Miami, well, they play in Fort Lauderdale, but they they completely renovated that stadium to yep. make it at least usable. Yeah. Until they get their new stadium built in downtown Miami and they have land and they're working on construction, it's going to be built in 2025. It took NYCFC, it's going to be over a decade after they yeah. entered the league. It's crazy. That they're actually going to be playing in a soccer stadium. That one is wild. But, but yeah. that's what I'm saying is like certain people get the, this dispensation. I think that, like I said, we're, we're reaching an inflection point, as you, dis, as you alluded to, with certain players entering the league that I think that some of these budget spenders aren't going to last very long. Um, it's just not going to be, you, to your point, it's not going to be acceptable. It's going to be like, there are going to be requirements. Yeah. Um, FIFA won't play a World Cup. Well, they'll play the women's World Cup on friggin' turf. Don't even start about that. But they won't play the men's World Cup on turf. So why are we playing MLS matches on it?
1: Yeah. So, and, and to be clear, there are there are as you've uh, as you've um, discussed there are different levels of turf and there's different levels of grass fields too right they're not all you know, they're not all better but but the thing is is that, um, is that playing on a good turf field is better than playing on a shitty grass field um, just in terms of uh, being able to play actual soccer um, uh, at, but playing on a good grass field like an actual professional grade um, good grass field is like so far ahead of all of those things um, that um, that's why that's why. You know, players who are professionals um, advocate for that because it's a completely it's a it's a completely different kind of surface than what you know you and I are used to um, playing on or seeing. Right? It's it's it bears no resemblance to our lawns or to. I was gonna you know, say the, the... There,
0: there's some there's some shitty grass out there like Chicago Fireplace <laughs> at Soldier Field and that yeah. grass is terrible. Like that yeah. is like yard grass that's at Soldier Field. Whereas I don't know. If, I mean, have you walked onto Children's Mercy Park recently? Like that pitch is insane yeah
1: it is unreal
0: yeah it's like this it's it's like this unbelievably tight knitted like web of grass that's super short but it is like super dense and tight and i can just imagine what it's like and it's soft
1: it's like bouncy it's yeah you and you you wet it down and it's slick and it plays fast and it's yeah
0: and it makes for good soccer like we saw on uh, wednesday um okay so let's talk about your your least favorite tactic on earth which is score a goal and hold on for dear life because yeah. that's kind of what sporting did now I don't really hate the the tactical plan because Vancouver um is not what I would call a progressive passing team they're not I mean they're they're not like playing playing against them in a, an organized, Four five one mid block is not the worst thing on earth to be doing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as long as you've got an eye on Julian Gressel. They've kind of adopted that mid two thousands AC Milan Christmas tree uh, with Gressel playing on the right side of it, as opposed to playing as a wing back. Um, and I think that it has been successful for them. But if you can eliminate, if you can eliminate Gressel's ability to deliver a pass, they struggle to really break teams down. That's not really what they do and um i don't i don't hate the tactic but it's not the most fun thing to watch it was very pragmatic but it
1: wasn't the most entertaining i don't don't hate the tactic in in a bubble right but um the problem the problem is that you you i think you actually um lower your margin of error right and so the least little thing that goes wrong I don't know you have a uh, a center back not able not able to pull his head out of his ass go for a tackle and not not in the box go to ground in the box because he's out of position and not get the ball and all it takes is something like that and and you've you've now instead of winning three points you've lost two points because that's that's really what happened i mean sporting was the better was the better team in that game and should have won that game and uh if they had uh kept pushing and and scored a second goal they would have been able to do that look look what scoring two two goals did for sporting uh against dallas right dallas dallas scored a late goal uh but they they we scored two and (laughs) we got three points i mean sometimes it's kind of simple yeah and and it it just seemed like um like sporting didn't even really uh, try very hard to 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 score a second goal um, after uh, after that the early goal against Vancouver and so um, I don't know it was uh, it was I, I was disappointing to see them um, uh, tie that game I mean in in. You know, in absent of context, it's a good result, right? Any if you can go on the road with all the travel and all of that stuff, the all of the things that, that you um, that you so aptly described, um, if you take all of that into consideration, it's a good result. But, you know, I mean, I think they could have done better.
0: Yeah, I mean they got a nice goal early that was extremely low percentage chance that Polito hit a great header on. It was an Man, unreal Man, that was header. such a great goal. It was an unreal it was unreal header. And he flicked it and he looked immediately. He knew he had a yeah, top ends Yeah, As yeah. soon as he hit it and um it was great and they just sort of didn't really didn't really aggressively attack Vancouver after that. Um I would have liked to see them play for set pieces a little bit more, but I mean they still ended sure. up right at 1.0 xG. It's not yeah. like they drastically overperformed their xG they would have obscenely overperformed um, Vancouver's XG even before the, the missed header from Gotti Kenda, they were overperforming um, uh, Vancouver's XG other than the, the penalty the penalty, the, the, the penalty. Yeah. Yeah. That was that that's, you know, a high XG chance. So to go to Vancouver playing your third game in seven days and hold them to really nothing, until that penalty like vancouver had like 0.3 xg prior to that penalty kick Mm -hmm. that's unreal i mean vancouver had actually been fairly effective at creating chances up until that up and like this year like they've been a very good chance creation team this year so it was actually the game plan was pretty good um you just like you said when you have a bunch of replacement players in your ceiling gets lowered because eventually mistakes are going to happen in high leverage situations and you don't have enough other high quality players on the field to overcome it. I think yeah. I think that what has worked for sporting up until now, when they've had to make substitutions or they've had to, you know, they don't have their choice 11 is that they do have enough of their choice 11 and in, in key positions that they can deal with some, Inconsistent or meh performances in those places because there's enough quality around it that yeah. it's fine. Um, well, Chinese so it's so- Chinese has been very good, but also not very productive. But that's yeah. okay because you also have Gadi Kinda, Eric Tommy, Daniel Shawley, Alan Polito, right? Like th- that that w- that's fine if he's the worst of those five. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that one of the things that really kind of hurt the team was uh, was having to bring in Kinda. Um, and play him as kind of a false nine type type uh position because because I think that you know the the ball that comes uh the ball that comes in um that um that that they got the uh the penalty on was that was that Gressel that hit that ball um, over the top I'm
0: trying so to remember I don't uh, think so cuz Gressel doesn't it, play on the left and Gold got it, on that ball from the right okay. side right I mean, so it did I come
1: from it did come from like from from the middle of the field right the, Yeah. sort of he a, might a have deep central in. part
0: I'd have to rewatch the replay um, I don't I don't remember effectively
1: what but, where it came but from but it was the, yeah the, the point it here was, is that is it that could have is that 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 pass shouldn't have have gotten off right so that's a that's a counter-pressing opportunity um where um where that that whoever whoever hit that ball needs to be closed down and keep that ball from even coming into the box uh in the first place so um you know like like we say like soccer is dominoes and like little things uh little things that happen um little decisions that are made can have uh big effects and so uh, i don't know that uh Garekinda, uh uh in, in as a center forward is really uh what we want to end up with but it's kind of what we're left with a, at this point because I mean the, the 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 alternative is is uh Shelton at that spot and um while I, I mean I think Shelton at that spot defending a lead is not maybe the worst thing uh but it's definitely better to for him to be playing his uh his natural position so um you know you know like you said it it, it MLS is MLS. You have to make hard choices. And um, and, you know, we 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 had to practice some squad rotation. Hopefully now we have a week uh, uh, to rest and, and maybe get players healthy and we can um, not have that problem this weekend.
0: If you're talking about um, this, the, the play that set up the corner, I think it was Gressel that yeah. hit the original pass. But the the foul occurred on a corner kick on a recycled ball that went back over the top. But um okay. the the play that set up the corner kick, I believe, was Kressel making a pass. Um, yeah, I look I, I think in a in a in a sense you can believe that this team could have had nine points from those three games for sure. Absolutely. But they also could have been scored on like three times against Dallas <laughs> pretty significantly. Well, look, so I mean, like I mean, the some of this is, shit goes both ways. You there, know were, what I mean? like,
1: there were a handful of balls that uh, that went off the post in both games. Uh, um, okay. And, but I, and, I looked at the well, one
0: in Vancouver, the one in Vancouver that looked like it, yeah. like Brian White hit the post. That was a great save by McIntosh. It, McIntosh it was, got his fingers it on it. It was a very good save. Now yep. Jesus Jimenez, again, <laughs> for Dallas Mm-hmm. Just absolutely he had half the goal to shoot at and hit the post yeah. somehow. So so yeah. like that's what I'm saying is like some of this stuff is just scoring variance and it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Um that's the point I'm saying is like in a vacuum, yeah, you could say we should have had that game. When you look at the whole picture and you go, three games in seven days, we got seven points, two wins Pretty at good. home and, and a draw on the road. You have to walk away from that and go, That's that's good, yep. that's very good. Let's let's lick our wounds because we have plenty and let's get back to um, to getting a week off and, and trying to get focused for for Austin. So, I, yeah, I, there's a part of me that's greedy, and especially given how this team has performed up until this point, you dropping points doesn't feel good in any circumstance where you think you might have been able to get all three. But still, you have to look at the bigger picture. And again, as I noted, as I noted in the intro, seven matches since the beginning of may one loss
1: yeah it's it's really great (laughs) it's pretty good and 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 it's it's needed right i mean it was it was definitely needed because uh because without that uh the conversation would still be uh pretty grim but now you know it's mls and uh um, all you need to do is get in the playoffs and anything can happen so uh we'll see what happens going forward
0: Let's, we've covered enough of the two games. We've got some more notes here, but I don't think we need to get into all of it. Let's, let's get into our, our good buddy, Andrea Fontas, because this is a topic that you and I have texted about several times and meant to talk about. Wait, I, I, I
1: don't want to, I don't want to completely walk away from, um, from talking about Macintosh. Okay. Um, because, I because I do think that, um, I mean, I, there, there continues to be a problem there. For you and for me, and there con- continues to be, a, a, I think, a lot of di- of, of division um, uh, amongst fans as to uh, as to what needs to be happening, and um, you know, the the thing is, is that. Statistically, I mean, at at this point, all three of the of the goalkeepers that are rostered for the uh, for the first team have played at least five games or have started at least five games. And um, and and so you have a decent sample size of stats from all of them. And frankly, they're very similar. Um, And it's really hard to um, it's really hard to pull apart. to separate them into, you know, players who are definitely uh, better than the others. You know, some of them are better uh, than the other two at, at one thing, but worse at one thing. And so I think it all kind of emits out. And I don't think there's a clear. I guess my, my point is that there's not really a clear um, uh, statistical uh, leader. Uh, I think that the 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 recent um, run of results does lend itself to continuing to start Macintosh. Uh, but I think you and I are both not really sold on on um, his solidity as a keeper. Yeah, I, uh, you know, there's a couple things that I, I I
0: struggle with with him. One of them is his propensity to punch, and unfortunately, his fairly um, not effective way of doing it like he just he's not effective at punching
1: the ball very well like he, he gave seems up to a, spill a lot of balls in front of him right there's yeah a, there's a lot of loose well,
0: balls where they shouldn't be he he doesn't catch the ball very effectively there, there was a fairly yeah. innocuous one where he like caught a ball in the air and sporting made sure to like put it on the twitter feed look at this great grab that he made as if this is something like his is in his forte and that's really actually not um and, and i, I want to be I, like Punching the ball is fine if you're effective at punching it clear of danger. But yeah. he's not good at that. No. And then he also, even on shots that like hit his hands, he doesn't generally corral them very well. He's yeah. with Ferreira, scored a goal that was offside on a really bad rebound.
1: Yeah, Oh, um, that was bad.
0: Van Vancouver scored a goal on a bad punch that was then um, in in my Technical opinion correctly called offside. I know a lot of Vancouver people will be upset about it. Vanny Sartini, I'm sure, was very upset about it. It's one of those technically correct is the best kind of correct situations because mm-hmm. it really was technically offside. That's what we call
1: a. That's what we call a Mike Coon.
0: It was. It was a Mike Coon special. It definitely was yeah. because they, they. Everybody's like, well, he's not offside. He's not offside, and it's like, guys, you don't remember how the offside rule works. The offside rule isn't the last field defender. It is the second to last player. Um, and Macintosh was the second last player, and he was behind Macintosh. Just because Castellanos was the last guy back doesn't mean you get to be in front of him. Um, you, have front of him. Um, you have to be in front of the last two. Uh, a lot of people just think the the, well, the offsides. I, I thought the they
1: called. Player. I thought they called that he was interfering. Oh no, not that they called the call offside or that he was interfering with the, the keeper.
0: Either one of those is perfectly fine with me. Either way, yeah, yeah, he okay. was he was he was absolutely offside and right next to the goalkeeper as he was facing yeah. the shot. So I'm sorry, like I don't have a problem with that. The second part like even if he's he was definitely interfering with Castellanos' ability to actually play the ball. Play defense, yeah. So both of those are perfectly legitimate reasons in my opinion to 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 overturn it. I I again, it's a technically correct kind of thing, but that's that's what that's where it goes. I just my issue with him is that he has just a lot with McIntosh's is he's just extremely inconsistent. And you never really quite sure what version of him you're getting. At a certain point in time, he'll make he'll, he'll make a nice save. He'll be in a good position and make a save, and then he'll do something that just sort of baffles your brain. Um, and it's a good lead into Andreu Fontas when we get there because that's the same thing. Like there's uh, Fontas is a little different in that regard, but there's just there's just too much inconsistency for me from him. And my thought is if you're going to get, if all these guys are basically the same overall, I think, I mean, Macintosh is by far the worst shot stopper of the three. Like if you look at his post shot XG versus goals given up, he is by far the worst. Um, uh, Pulse Camp is right in the middle and then Timmy's the best. Um, if I would prefer, I'm always going to take shot stopping first. If you can stop shots, that's like the most important thing a goalkeeper can do. Everyone talks about Macintosh at his feet, and he is good at his feet, but he also almost gave away the game in the 97th minute with a really boneheaded pass. So, like, there's just some stuff that he does that I just, I, I'm not vibing with. It just, just seems a little bit uh, hectic, a little bit chaotic. Yeah. And I don't want a chaotic goalkeeper.
1: No. And I understand,
0: either. and I understand Pulse Camp has his own level of chaos to him, but I believe that he'll stop shots better. And candidly, Pulse Camp's got the most clean sheets on the team. So, yeah. you know, I I feel like this is this is the thing that we've talked about so much on this podcast. Polk's camp had one bad game against Seattle, and that mm-hmm. wasn't really all his fault. That was mm-hmm. a game plan. That was a game plan's fault because you real because you you're out here like trotting out Graham Zusi to cover Leo Chu on the right wing and with mm-hmm. Jordan Morris running behind. Seattle had a great game plan to expose Graham Zusi in transition. That wasn't John Polk's camp's fault. Yeah, and he had that one bad game. And he had been he had had like two, two clean sheets out of four games prior to that, and then all of a sudden we never see him again. And I just I'm just tired of this shit with young players, man. Like and, and the, the reality of the situation is. Pulse has got much more value to this team long term than Kendall McIntosh yeah, does.
1: Yeah. And if they're if they're,
0: ba- if they're basically the same performance wise, and I don't think they are, I think Ma- I think Pulse camp as an aggregate is a slightly better goalkeeper but even if they you say that they're basically the same why don't you play the guy who can actually benefit from playing regularly
1: yeah so so a couple of things first of all pulse camp has never had uh, the chance to play behind this you know this current defensive line uh, that has been so successful um he was he was playing a lot in the beginning of the season when everything was a cluster and uh we had different you know center backs different center back pairings like it seemed like every game uh and so i think that he deserves a chance to play behind um you know Davis and Denve uh Rosero and Fontas cuz that's the that seems to be i don't know the, that anybody is playing behind
0: that line this weekend but yeah
1: well that true true um the other thing is that um um to your point about about age you know um the the things that the, the mistakes that Macintosh, I, I i compare on twitter i compare uh McIntosh to zach stefan like that's the way he makes me feel he makes some good plays he, he can play with his feet but like it seems like he's always good for like really one just really like boneheaded play uh, a game and i don't want to like been my day like watch waiting for that to come right uh, because I know it's going to come and um, and the thing is is you could you could uh, forgive some of his, his mistakes if he was 22 but he's not right he's not 22 he's 28 29 years old um, sometimes and, we're
0: only going to score one goal
1: right like, that's going to yeah. happen yeah and and
0: I have no faith that we're going to win a game when we scare, score one goal when McIntosh is behind is between Agreed. the sticks and, and and that's that's my main issue is that I have no faith in him helping us secure a 1-0 and it's MLS man no team averages two plus Xg per game that doesn't that doesn't happen and so you need to be able to gut out a one nothing sometimes and I just have no faith whatsoever that this team can do that with him in goal
1: yep uh, we're, we're, we're on the same page. Okay. That problem solved. Like what's the, what's the next problem? <laughs> what's
0: the next problem? Andrea Fontas who has oh. a hamstring injury just like everyone else. So maybe Jesus, we, maybe it's not a problem. On? Yeah. So we'll get to the hamstring injuries here in a second. I'm, I'm going to blow through it because we're already an hour in, but um, I want to, we we've, we've talked about Fontas a couple times. You and I have on text message. And so I think that it was important for us to to discuss this guy because I think that there is an extreme like dichotomy to Andre Ufantas, which is he fills up a stat sheet. So sometimes, especially when you look at any of the st- statistics-based websites that are out there, uh, an anal- analysis evolved that uses G+. You look at um, who scored. You look at Fop Mob, You look at all of those places that do ratings for players. Fantas jumps off the page, and every single one of those is an extremely yeah, they love valuable it. defender. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and and I want to be clear about something. There are a ton of things through ninety minutes that Fantas does good. There are good. They yeah. are good, valuable things. They're not sounds as if they're invaluable, but he has a couple key deficiencies that allow him to create high leverage issues for his teammates. And I think that's the problem that I have with him. The first one is that, um, well, and both of them are the same problem. He's just, a, he's too aggressive. He's too aggressive of a player for his, for his physical capabilities. It's just, that's all there is to it. He tries shit that he cannot deal with if he fucks it up. <laughs> he, like, he is completely reliant on his teammates when he fucks something up because he does not have the physical capability of of uh overcoming it when it happens. And he does it all the time. He just I think he's one of those guys that like he sees things so well that he mm-hmm. like his brain writes checks his body can't cash. Mm-hmm. And he tries to do shit that just is not like um there was during the Dallas game, actually it was the play where Jesus Jimenez hit the post. I actually saw this happen live and I made sure to make note of it. So I, we would talk about it. It's he and in had switched. He had gotten very wide defending a guy like pushing, uh, defending a guy and almost gotten to the left back position. And, and Den had rotated to left center back because he had gotten wide on an attacking winger, um, probably O'Brien, and had 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 actually done a very good job pushing him up against the line, winning the duel and then getting the ball back upfield. Unfortunately, Sporting lost the second ball there, so Dallas was back in possession, and he was wide as the left back, and Denbe was at the right back, and Dallas started circulating the ball around a little bit. And Fontas very quickly was trying to get back into his left center back position. He was very urgent about, like, I need to get back into this position. And he tried to do it, and he waved at Ndenbe, and Ndenbe waved him off because Ndenbe could see that they were going to come straight back at, the, like, where the ball was. They were about to rotate and come straight back at him. And then Fontas was like, no, 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 Let's let's switch now. Well, they start to switch, and right as that switch is happening, they're right on top of each other in the same place. Jesus Ferreira gets on top of the ball, flips it straight over the top of him to Alan Velasco, and goal-scoring chance, like immediately. And and I saw Ndenbe waving him off, like three times. Like, no, we're not going to change. And Fantas was insistent on the fact that they make that switch then, and they get played straight over the top, goal-scoring chance. There was another part in that game later um, obviously he almost scores the goal at the end of the, at the end of the first half where he hits the crossbar and it was, it was, it was a laser. Like I thought that was a nice a strike, it was a That'd nice strike, man. It was great if he team. would have
1: scored that. I would have, I mean, I would have shrieked. That was good.
0: It was good. But, and it would have, it would have overcome what was otherwise a yes. fairly terrible half for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a fairly terrible half in mistakes, but not necessarily all the other things that the statisticians like. And um, it was like five minutes before that. He was way upfield like that. And Shaoey yep. looked at him like he had like three heads. and was like, get the fuck back. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's just got this stuff in him where he like wants to be doing stuff. He wants to be really aggressive from the center back position. And he just he can't recover from those places. So he's super easy to play behind. The other thing is he gets just roasted by young attackers regularly. Yeah. Um, and and I want to be clear, uh, this happened to him in Denbe too early in the game. O'Brien hit him with the hezi and just like blew by him. And, but also it's like you see this happen to your teammate. You have to know that this is this guy's move. Mm-hmm. He's going to like hold up, then go. Mm-hmm. fanta got skinned by the exact same play just after that. And then, of course, Ferreira just leaves him for lunch. Like he tried yeah. like and I'm not, and, and Fontas isn't a bad 1v1 defender, but he just defending in space is not his thing. No. And um, it's just, like I said, like there's just like there's so many things he does well but they're just like things uh, similar to Kimball McIntosh where it's just like it is such high leverage stuff that he fucks up. Yeah. yeah. That just gets people like wanting to throw their things at the TV.
1: Yeah. I, it's, I just want to scream at him sometimes. like Like, just don't don't advance the ball. Don't dribble. Don't go into the midfield. Just stay back. Stay back. Stay back. Because um, he he needs to develop a better old man game. Because right? because really he has he's he has the athleticism of an old man and and. Uh, when you're when you are an older person playing against younger uh, dudes, you have to kind of uh, be very conservative and stay back. Shouldn't be um, new to him. He's never been I know, a fast I know, player, man. even when he I was know. in his late twenties and but, in his Drew, prime. The thing is, is he doesn't even he he doesn't even uh, he doesn't foul people when he gets caught either, which is a you know. He, he can do that like like he's, players almost like do he's that too nice all the have, time have you been and, fonte
0: and, he's like literally the nicest human sure, being on sure. earth and, and that's part of the problem i see him like he sort of puts his hands on him like really nicely yeah. like trying to hold <laughs> like bro drag that guy to the ground you're like 6'3 185 <laughs> pounds just drag him put him to the ground
1: <laughs> like, it's fine you got you have to so you have to you have to disrupt the play you go win the ball if you foul him okay then uh, at least you're going for the ball, and you might not get a card. Um, but you can't you can't let people just smoke you and run away from you without even touching them. That's just that's just it's not acceptable.
0: Yeah, I, I, the the reason, by the way, for all of you listening that we're bringing this up is I had actually texted Cody during a game like about a week and a half ago, and I thought that Fontes was playing pretty well. And you're like, I don't see it. And on the rewatch, when I watched it like at high from up high. I you know you when you watch it on TV you get a much higher angle than than where you do from your seats well where you do from some seats and so they <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey this is not a humble so, brag so so Leanne but no sits right by, no hold on I mean it could also
1: it could also be trashing me because I uh, you know I sit higher so. Uh, <laughs> you do. You just sit
0: higher up in the, in the okay, stadium. I sit
1: higher area. up so I, have a, so I have a better view. <laughs> I
0: promise that was not like a humble brag or, a, hey, look at my fancy seats. It's oh, more. It you. was more just a, it, it was like you do get a different perspective of, yeah. of what the players are doing at different levels of the field. And when I watched it, when I rewatched it um, from the TV camera, I could see some of the stuff that you were talking about. But when I saw it from um, field level, you could actually see him um, timing tackles in a few places very well. And and at speed, it looked a lot better because the interplay of players – at field level, you can see how hard it is to see things at a certain point in time, and the fact that he was able to scope those out and and accomplish them—it's just a different perspective on it. So I thought he had played better than you did, and when I saw the difference in the replay, I, I understood what you were talking about. But that's what I'm saying is it's like this dichotomy of Andrei Fontas—is he good? A lot of the time, yes. Um, <laughs> in key situations very much not but that's like that's what makes him this this anachronism for everyone you know what I mean
1: yeah he he even the things that he does really well like uh like passing and specifically uh long passing you know balls over you know 40 yards um he doesn't he still has not um gotten the timing down with Polito and uh what, what what prompted me to text you that during the game was continually watching Polito sort of uh recycle his runs and like load up and you can see him on the shoulder of the defender ready to go, ready to go. And the the ball comes to Fantas and Fantas looks up field, Polito goes and Fantas doesn't do it for some yeah. reason or another he's not i don't pulling know pulling the trigger as much i agree
0: he, with that i agree with yeah. that completely he's not pulling the trigger as much as he used to and that that's and that's a problem but i mean also that's a center forward's life like a center forward's like yeah, absolutely. Reloading runs absolutely constantly every yep. game like you, can watch, you, you watch watch Tottenham Hotspur and see how much Harry yep. Kane does that shit. It's that's just, why. It, that's it's, why
1: I, you know, I tell players you you always when you're playing center forward, you you just have to be uh, the the consummate optimist, right? You always have to think the ball is going to come to you because uh, because that's how you're able to keep making run after run after one and and you know eventually it'll come to you hopefully.
0: Ninety five times out of hundred, it's not coming to you, and four times out of out of one hundred, it's going to be poorly hit. And that one time out of a hundred, you got to be ready. You know what I mean? You got to be ready
1: and you got to do your job.
0: Yep. That's how it works. Yep. Well, he is amongst the list of the hamstring injuries that this team has now. Um, This is getting, I I don't even know what to say about it. I made a joke about calling him hamstring injury FC last week. And now I I can't even joke about it because it's like so frustrating. So both he and Rosero are questionable on the injury list with hamstring injuries. Russell and Denbe, Pierre and Zussi all out with hamstring injuries, Melia out with a quad injury. So I'm getting tired even talking about this at this point. Like it's just the same fucking thing we bring up every week about soft tissue injuries in this team. And like, uh, I just, I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah. I don't know what to say either. I mean, uh, other than, you know, Sperry needs to get on this and uh, do some investigative reporting and find out what the uh, what the deal is. I mean, because, you know, you and I don't have the answers, but there has to be uh, there has to be some reason that that this team in in particular is having so many of these uh, soft tissue in, in like serious injuries. Right. These are hamstring injuries that are putting them out for multiple weeks um, and hamstring injuries are just really um, notoriously difficult to come back from, uh, because y- you'll feel fine and, you know, you'll even start running and you'll even start playing soccer and you'll be like, Hey, I'm good. And then you, you, ex- you know, you explode off of a, uh, a tackle or, or something and boom, it goes. And so, um, so so Johnny is second man. this
0: year, right? Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it's the same hamstring or not, but one would, he's only got two. So I mean, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> there is a fairly decent percentage chance that it is the same one.
1: Uh, I'm not good at math. I don't know. <laughs> um, I
0: I just I just don't. I mean, it's just it, like I'm sorry. It's just you, you. look at that list, and I, I don't want to be the the guy that's like crying. Uh, you know, the, the Chicken Little or something like that. But it's it's a, it's not good. No. When the injury report comes out, and the first six guys listed are guys with hamstring injuries. Now, granted, Chad Smith did that intentionally. I know why he did it, but still, like, you have six guys out with hamstring injuries. The the uh, Mike Kuhn said something about the fact that there's like, you know, there's only uh, both the both the starting center backs are not available. I'm like, dude, there's only one starting quality defender available. Period, and that's Tim Leibold, and he's just coming back
1: from injury. Yeah. Was, like was Jake it a Davis, injury? As, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was so wasn't a hamstring it? injury. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was a
0: hamstring injury, and it's like Jake Davis for his Admiral of a job of he's as he's done so far. He's not a fucking fullback, so yeah. you've got you've got one actual defender of of your star of starting quality available, and it's kind of unreal that this is where we're at. And I made a joke in the rundown talking about Robbie Volader is going to be sitting with the twos after that terrible tackle that he made. Maybe not, <laughs> because I I think you're probably there's a high likelihood we're going to see Volader and Castellanos on uh, on Saturday, unless unless Vermees is so pissed at Volader that Chris is going to be playing. But I mean, I just wow. I
1: just don't I hope he doesn't move Rodia back there. That's that's all I care about.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I, that I, would
1: I'd, that would make me upset.
0: I don't, I don't, man. I wish he hadn't said it because I could see it happening now that yeah, he brought it up. Too. I, he, he even said it when Radia came here that he can play center back.
1: So. Yeah. Hopefully maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the Calderon's uh, TIFO this weekend will be hamstring related. That would be <laughs> hilarious. Honestly,
0: they, there will be a TIFO this weekend. As I, as I understand, i mm-hmm. i I've, I've, you know, you don't have to be super plugged in to know that they've been do they were TIFO painting last night, I think. Yeah. So we're recording this on Wednesday. I think Tuesday night they did Tifo painting. So there's going to be a Tifo of some kind. Um, I don't know. I, what I it bet
1: it's be. not hamstring related, yeah, I but don't that would be hilarious.
0: So. It, it would be hilarious, but I don't think that's the most supportive way to be a supporters group. Agree, <laughs> um, agree. Um, you and I would find it hilarious. I don't think anyone else would.
1: You're right. It's a kind of an inside joke. Yeah. Not, not that good of a one. No. No. Uh, uh, speaking of TIFOs, uh, just real quickly, um, LAFC's TIFO was great. It uh, didn't do much for them. but I was going to say they didn't. Cool.
0: That, yeah. that was – okay, so can we talk about that real quick then? Because I don't think we need to do much in Tactical Corner because we covered most of the stuff about the pragmatism of Peter Burmese. Um okay. We can get into it for a couple minutes, but I think we got enough time to talk about this. How galaxy-brained is it to go to a back five in the last game – in the home leg of a final? Like – you shout out Giorgio Chiellini who hasn't played in like two and a half months to play in a back yeah. five.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it, it's bad. And, and they, yeah. and they were just,
0: they were just, <laughs> they were just like, they they conceded control of the game at home.
1: Like yeah. when has LAFC ever done that? They looked, they looked inept and, uh, that's just too bad because they're a good team and, and Chirondolo is a good coach, but, um, I mean, at some point, you know, the saying is, you know, you have to dance with the one that brought you, you know, you have to play to your strengths and you have to and you have to be confident and you have to go down play in your game. Um, and in, in um,
0: fairness, they're a transition team now the way they play under Toronto sure, is not near as sure. possession oriented but, as it was under Bradley, but they are pressing heavily in the midfield and winning second balls and being aggressive. And they weren't doing any of that shit. They were just conceding the middle of the field. Like
1: yeah, what? Yeah, they got, they got ran. In fact, I thought, uh, I, I, I thought they were playing a double pivot at first because they had nobody in the midfield, right? They were just constantly like not doing anything, and and um, it took me a while to real realize that they were they were playing three in the midfield. But well, they, and why is Mateus Mogush
0: much... on the field instead of Sifuentes? Like, what is going on? Like, are they trying to keep Cifuentes healthy so they can sell him? Like, that's the only no, thing that makes no. Any he's sense. gonna walk.
1: He's not. He's 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 out of contract.
0: Then why aren't you driving him into the like? Why are I you? I don't.
1: I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, even Tillman would be better than than Bogush. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, man. Tillman I, was pretty
0: bad in the first game. He was not that great. But um,
1: um, I, after I, I
0: after after having the most Klinsman quote of all time, talking about, did you hear this from Tim Tillman? He made yes. a, he, had a, uh-huh. he had the quote, yeah, <laughs> like it's, Mexicans, uh, it's cringe. Mexicans, so
1: cringe.
0: <laughs> Mexicans play with emotion more than tactics, and I was yeah. like, uh. It's not good. I mean, he's German. Like Tim Tillman is American, but he's German. He grew up in right. Germany. Like he was born and raised in Germany, and that was the most. That, German that's a
1: racist, racist of all trope time. in Germany too, though. It's okay. I, 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 <laughs> I
0: mean, it was except. Come on. <laughs> it was exceptionally yeah. The the race the, the racismo <laughs> is strong in Germany as, as strong as it is here. And he yeah, it was very not great. And then he put out an absolute stinker. Karma comes for all of us, and yeah. it came for Tim Tillman uh yeah i don't know i was fairly underwhelmed by lfc i don't know.
1: i mean i've final. seen i've seen coaches do that at every single level a high school level a youth level where you know they they just um they're in a a high leverage game and they decide to switch things up and um and honestly i, I can't say that it's ever worked uh that i can recall it's always a disaster because because your your players are uh, are used to playing uh, in a, in you know, in one way they're used to a structure that is one way. And they're used to having, you know, if you, if, if you win the ball and you need an outlet, they're used to that outlet being this player in this area of the field. And if you switch things up like that, then you, you disrupt all of that rhythm. And, you know, and, and the thing, and speaking of rhythm, it's not like LAFC had been playing poorly, you know, I mean, uh, they, They've been they've been one of the best teams in the like league. They're two points you know? per game like, give in the me a break. <laughs> I mean
0: I mean the only reason that fucking Saint Louis is leading the table is because LAFC's only played thirteen games. So well, like, and,
1: I, and people keep giving Saint Louis goals too. There's that Dude, you know. it is wild how lucky this team is. You know that yeah. their
0: their expected goal differential is minus three and yeah. their actual goal differential is like plus Fifteen, something like that. Yeah. No, it's like plus. They're 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 like outperforming their expected goal differential by eighteen goals That's in not, fourteen not or fifteen right. games. It is unreal how lucky they are. It's okay, like dude, dude, when they regress to the mean, St. Louis fans are going to be so upset. They're going to just act like the world has come against them because they. I don't know that they recognize how lucky they are right now. Now, I do they think don't. that some. I do think that some of this is taking advantage of inherent flaws in MLS teams. Like I do appreciate that their tactical scheme and how they do mm-hmm. stuff yeah, takes advantage of, of inherent flaws in MLS rosters. Yep. So I, I, I appreciate their game, but they're not going to keep running this hot. It's not going to happen. Um,
1: just okay. say as a quick, just a quick aside, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. um, just cause I like talking trash on St. Louis, honestly, the, one of the weirdest things and, uh, Nobody, I I haven't seen anybody really talk about this with with St. Louis coming into the league. But one one of the craziest things about that place is, um, you know, if you've ever been to like Salt Lake City, you you go there, you can fill the Mormon Church everywhere in Salt Lake City, and and when you go to St. Louis and and you know even go to youth soccer things in St. Louis, you can fill Anheuser Busch everywhere, and um they they serve alcohol at every single (laughs) soccer game for kids i've ever been to and you can you know you can imagine you know suburban parents in in johnson county how 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 animated they get they don't need beer
0: at those games
1: And, and and they have like carts right like they have like beer carts bringing i mean it was wild to me when i saw that i i it was just crazy
0: I mean, soccer parents are fucking terrible to begin with. They do not need to Agree. be inebriated. They nope. do not need to be inebriated. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I, you couldn't All pay right. me to go participate uh, uh, in that.
1: Dallas just, Ferreira just scored on St. Louis. So. Oh,
0: so they're going to actually lose a game. Hey, yeah, how about great. that? Because it's like right, right. At, it's probably going to be near the end of that game. They started it. They restarted at the, uh, Fifth. what is the 55th minute or whatever? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Tactical corner real quick. We'll do a quick tactical corner this week. The only thing is, is I, this is a little bit of a, just sort of a continuation of last week's tactical corner. We talked about sort of the nuanced variances that Vermese employs of the 4-3-3. I wanted to just highlight a couple things that I saw in the last, in the last couple of games that I thought were interesting. The first was again, having a very clear tactical approach towards attacking via the left side against Dallas that sporting had been significantly more balanced they were playing up each vertical channel on either side but they were they weren't playing through the middle they're definitely playing wide but they were much more balanced in their right and left side attacks as far as where the ball was going usually it would go to the right side via a switch but they were still very clearly looking for that switch when they would when when the opponent would collapse.
1: The the overloads were on the left.
0: Yeah, the overloads were yeah. on the left, for sure. Against Dallas, that was not happening. They were just like bang, 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 we're gonna just absolutely slam the left side of the defense. Now I okay. think that was for two reasons, right? One of them is again, as we noted earlier, first first time MLS starter homegrown right back. Um the other thing was is again, as I noted earlier, they played so narrow that there was so much space over there that they could just gallop up the left side of that defense and they never collapsed, so there was never a need to try to hit a switch. But still, there was a very clear intent from the very, from the kickoff of this game exactly where they were going to play the ball and they did that. And then again, against against Vancouver, they played in kind of, I know you don't like it, but they played in that soft 4-5-1 mid block and they allowed Vancouver to possess and they sort of clogged up things and didn't really allow them to move the ball effectively and then they tried to take advantage of set pieces and transition and i think that the fact that we're starting to see these nuanced tactical plans versus opponents who do certain things you're trying to combat that as opposed to just do your thing and imprint yourself on the game is a positive positive. and i do believe that it's related to the fact that they have more players available that can execute these yeah. things but yeah. um I think it's good, tactically, to see some of these opponent-specific tactical plans. Uh,
1: You know, some of it's uh, player-specific, too, obviously, I mean, um, they did, uh, Castellanos had um, more touches than, uh, I don't know, maybe anybody um, uh, uh, against Vancouver. and you know a lot of that was i think probably after due to the due to the fact that um Fondos was subbed out but um that's just an interesting wriggle i mean you wouldn't necessarily uh think that um that he was the one um but i guess it, it but he's is... a
0: Vermees guy you can tell everything yeah, about him no, he's a Vermees kind of guy he's a try hard guy he's an effort guy he's a Um, do do does exactly what he's asked of him, even if he's not the best at achieving it. You know what I mean? Like he, he,
1: he's only two players had more touches than him and they were, they were Tommy and Davis. So they were really, uh, they were really going up the right side, at least in the second half, Um, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering if, some of what we're seeing is necessarily intentional or some of it is just personnel and what their capabilities are. So they just sort of naturally are achieving things in a little bit different way. But um, yeah, I, I do feel like there's some intent to what
1: they're doing. I think doing. regardless, I mean, being able to play, uh, being able to switch up your game plan enough to play to players strengths is important. And that's something that, you know, we've kind of been critical of in the past. And so if, um, you know, if if we need to to become more of a right sided team when Castellanos uh, is on or when Fontos is off, then uh, then it's good that we have the ability to do that. Um, it wasn't uh, I don't know. Obviously, we didn't score in the second half, so it wasn't successful from uh, from that metric. But you know, th- I think there were other things. We already talked about those other things that were involved in that, and so um, so so I I don't know I. I still I still am skeptical that there's like a solid plan B, but um, but I think it's uh, it's better than it was. I'll just say that.
0: Yeah, I think um, that may be true. I am still okay with where we are. I just um, I, I like seeing some different tactical plans and, and seeing the teams ex- executing them. So that's good stuff. The, the okay, best the best the Boakery. best plan B was bringing
1: on was bringing on, uh, Zusi and Espinosa and having having like real game changing subs to bring on. Um, that's in my mind. That's always the best plan B. And that, uh, not, I, like as we've already discussed, that wasn't necessarily the case with Vancouver. And so uh, uh, a lot of that comes down to player availability and uh, and squad depth, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zussi was obviously not available. Raj came on as more of a time-wasting sub. I yeah. would have liked to seen him on earlier, for sure. Okay. Um, Potpourri, just like your favorite Jeopardy category. This is the one topic we discussed that could be anything in and around the MLS sporting Kansas City soccer sphere. I mean, there's only one really to- real topic to discuss here. Um, a certain Argentinian is coming to MLS after much uh, posturing by anyone who thinks they know anything about uh, different players and where they're going. And and this has been, jeez, oh, I feel like this has been going on for like a year with uh, Inter-Miami's pursuit of, of one Lionel Messi. It appears, while it's not officially signed yet, I mean, the dude came out and, like, did an interview today saying that he was going to Miami, so I think it's all but done. Um, We are going to have Leo Messi for the next two and a half years in MLS, and that just, I mean, that seems wild to me. I know everyone's like, he's old, he's retiring, blah, 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 no. Leo Messi's still 34. Like he turns 35 in a, in a couple weeks. And uh, by the way, he had 20 goals and 21 assists for PSG this year.
1: He also so. won a World Cup, and he put he put Argentina on his freaking back to do it. So he's okay.
0: Yeah, six months ago, dude was like he was holding on to the freaking trophy. So um, I think that yeah, he's 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 all right. He's all right. Uh, I think this is the most. Transcendent moment in MLS history. I don't think there's anything even close to it. I don't think most people are, are aware of how wild this is.
1: I think that it. Um, I think that the uh, it has the opportunity to be bigger than Beckham, um, and I think mostly because of um, the context around it. When you have the World Cup uh, that's going to be here in '26, and you have the 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 new Apple uh, media deal with the league, um, I think that. Um, that those things play a lot into it and probably factored into his decision significantly. And um, I mean, they did because, you know, he's he he gets, you know, revenue portions um, um, uh, allegedly. um, And and some of that is um, in conjunction with Apple. And so um, it's I, 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 it's going to be so cool, honestly. I mean, I don't think that people have a really good uh, idea yet as to, uh, as to how big of an impact it's going to have, but, um, you know, you might not be able to watch him at Children's Mercy Park. I mean, that, that's like legitimately in play that, that they would play in, at Arrowhead because 80,000 people might want to go see Messi. Uh, maybe that won't happen, but, you know, it's not out of the question.
0: Really surprised if they did something like that. I don't think that they're going to be changing locations, but and in fact, I think it would be difficult for them to pull something like that off. Uh, Arrowhead still needs to go through some adjustments and improvements to be ready for the World Cup in 2026. Um, I think that, um, that that all that notwithstanding, I think that, um, it's just a transcendent moment for this league you said that you think it has the ability to be bigger than Beckham. It is going to be 9 million times bigger than Beckham. I know Beckham was like a world star and everyone knew who he was. Messi is Maradona or Pelé. Yeah. Okay. That's who we're talking about here. This man has half a billion followers on Instagram. Okay. This is not like, um, Hey, we got it. This is, this is orders of magnitude bigger than Zlatan. Yeah. It, it is Huge. It is it is going to make Zlatan look like whatever when he when he's here. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to see him in Children's Mercy Park anytime no. soon. Um, we have uh, the only match we have against Miami is in uh, September at uh, Drive Pink Stadium, which I still think it's fantastic. that Lionel you know, Messi is going to be playing home matches at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. Uh by the way, the same place that what was the what was the damn Fort Lauderdale team from the NASL they, that's they played there um, back when Pelé mm-hmm. and um, and all those guys played in the old NASL days. Um, damn it, I'm gonna have to look it up now. But it is the exact same ground that those guys played on back in the '80s when um, when all when all these you know aging stars came to came to the U.S. to play soccer. Uh, it's it is the same ground. They've obviously significantly renovated it, and they're going to make some more renovations to it. Add some seats, update some luxury areas, and whatnot. Specifically because Messi's coming, and uh, it's just going to be kind of funny to see him playing soccer there. But um, uh, I think Mike McGrew said something about um, him having to come to Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Commerce City, Colorado, <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I do. I do think all those things are going to be wild, man. Yeah, I will be I, you had made mention earlier uh, about about how he would. Uh, um, You know, he wouldn't be traveling to certain matches. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Messi is an insane competitor. Like one of the things he always like he got into issues with with PSG and with his last coaches at Barcelona where that they would try to load manage him and like not let him play three games in a row. And like, um, you know, Hey, look, we're playing fricking Valladolid, Valladolid um in a uh, cup match. And they would not let him, they would like hold him out of it. And he would get visibly like upset. Like this guy plays every match. Like he played 41 matches for PSG this year. Like this guy doesn't take games off. Yep,
1: those were all so on, those were all it'll all be ground, interesting
0: true. to see how that goes.
1: Those we're all on grass and and you know i don't i don't just i i don't know i don't I, disagree
0: with you but like, i'm telling you i, I, I know just,
1: what the player does i don't want people to get their hopes up because um you know i had um more than once i wanted to see like thierry henry when the red bulls came and he 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 chose not to make that trip um and i don't necessarily but be- grudge that to to stars who are trying to you know keep their bodies going while, while they're uh, while they're still trying to play out their career but um, I don't know I don't know man I I just uh I guess I'm cautiously optimistic. I I I hope that everybody has the chance. Every every MLS plan fan should have the the chance to see him play uh, their team and and their stadium. Um, I do not want him to play in Arrowhead at all. Um, I want to see him play in Children's Mercy Park, and I will be uh, I will be over the moon that day. Honestly, just to have the chance to see uh, somebody like that play soccer is uh, is a special thing. So.
0: Yeah, I think that um, there is some high potential that it would be next year mm-hmm. that he would be um, playing here. Typically, when we play an Eastern Conference team on the road, the previous year we play them at home. The following year. Yep. Um, now, granted, there's a lot more teams in the league than there there were. Um, you know, when when I when you sort of take that that evidence to be that way, but it seems to me that maybe next year he would be here. I remember the only time I've seen him live, I was at the Copa America semifinal in 2016 in Houston against the U.S. And he, uh, you know, that was was a messy, puts the team on his back and just does messy things and absolutely dominated. He dominated the U.S. in that game. He had an unreal free kick goal in that game. Um, He's just different, man. He's so different than anything you've ever seen. (laughs) I, I don't know how to describe it. When you see it in person, man, it's just so completely different. And I'm excited for it. I think it's amazing. I think that a lot of it's going to be great for soccer in the United States. And it's it's really smart for Apple and Adidas and MLS to throw this profit-sharing stuff in here because they are going to sell a billion messy jerseys. Yep. They're going to sell a billion um, subscriptions to MLS Season Pass. Yep. Like All that stuff is going to get skyrocketed. And it's going to be great for the business of this league as much as it is for the performance of this league. Like, I just, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing deal. I, I think this is miles beyond David Beckham. David Beckham sort of set the, 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 the guidelines for mm-hmm. how you do something like this. I mean, I know Cuadrado Blanco played for the Chicago Fire back in the nineties. I don't think that even even as good as he was i don't think that he had the world regard that beckham did mm-hmm. and then um and then messi is just a whole different animal
1: yeah it's um it'll be interesting to see what happens cuz that like the 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 standard of play i think in mls has really um, has really been increasing at a very significant pace in the last few years, and I think that um, it's been the players have been getting better and better, and I think the standard of play has been getting better and better, and um, it it um, it it'll be fascinating to see how what effect Messi coming has on that um, if. Uh, I I'm I'm assuming it will have some effect, and whether that's you know uh, other different players coming, whether that's a, a loosening of of the salary cap uh, and financial restrictions for other clubs, whether it's as you mentioned earlier uh, um, um, a, a a different. Um, a different emphasis, uh, maybe causing some of the old guard uh, owners to uh, to maybe stop holding the the league back from a financial aspect. Um, it has the potential to change the game on on so many different um, um, levels. It's uh, it's it's just a, a, it's, it's a cool time to be uh, to be a soccer fan in the United States and 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 it I think. It's kind of I think probably naive to say this, but it it, all, it also kind of feels like uh, like the good guys won right because he didn't go to Saudi Arabia, which is you know uh, problematic. It's not like the United States is not problematic because obviously it is but um, but it does uh, it, it does feel good that he's going to be here and he didn't you know he didn't make the choice for uh, you know just just a cash grab.
0: Yeah, I I agree with all of those things. Um, It's going to be it's it just everything about it, I think, is a net positive for this league, for the people that watch this league, for the people who might be some sort of semi interested in checking this league out. I will say um, I cannot wait for the for the um, first time that um, Messi has Messi gets, you know, slide tackled by Jose Martinez. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be fun.
1: Well, they uh, they, Inter Miami needs to um, needs to s- sign a bodyguard, an on-field bodyguard for him, uh, and just let that player just wreck anybody who fucks with him. Honestly, <laughs> and Sergio Busquets ain't it?
0: Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> yeah, Sergio Busquets definitely ain't it. I I think that um, what's funny is is they they don't have any defensive midfielders I right know. now. They're all injured. <laughs> okay, one thing to look for this is where we give you the one thing to look for in the upcoming week and obviously it is the match against Austin FC on Saturday at Children's Mercy yeah. Park we will be there we will be checking it out um the big the big thing for Austin is that they did that well i don't know how back sebastian rucci is but he played he subbed on in their last match they had been playing a 343 prior to that and for whatever reason they were in a 442 um against Salt Lake uh did not get the win in that game but pretty much pretty significantly dominated <laughs> Salt Lake they just didn't get the goals that they wanted um a little bit of you know statistical variance in that one but uh Giussi came on at halftime in that one so I feel like you know he's getting back to fitness and which is obviously a key component for them i don't i don't know
1: i'm not sure i know what to expect from austin in this match i don't think anybody knows what to expect from austin throughout the season i think they've been kind of hit or miss and up and down and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh is not um he's still he's still doing important things on uh on the field but uh scoring is not what he's doing and uh, I think that that's really um, that's really, you know, caused them to sort of take a step back and maybe have a little bit of a reality check because you know we've I think you and I have spoken before about how you know they've they were kind of overperforming um, their expectations last year and uh, and that has you know, they've kind of fallen back um, to earth this year um, and so it'll be interesting to see. Um, whether Drew see is, is fit enough to start on, on Saturday. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, as you mentioned, what kind of formation they roll out. They, they have, they have not visited us before, have they? I can't they had to where... have visited
0: us last yeah. year because they're a Western conference. So they had to have come right. here last year. I,
1: I don't I'm not quite sure why. I don't, I don't,
0: I don't, I don't remember it either. And so hmm. I'm, I'm like, what, what was going on then? Were we both, not able to go to that match.
1: That's possible.
0: Um, But yeah, I, 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 I think that like, I remember them being an extremely organized team um, and having a clear identity, but yeah, they've, they've uh, been very hit or miss this year after being a fairly positive team last year. Um, And he is such a key component to their success that when he's not, being Hani Mukhtar, he's, they, they struggle. Yeah. And um, he hasn't been this year. Um, they are playing Danny Pereira a lot, who's a guy I like that they got out of the Super Draft. Um, and I liked him last year, and he has played very well for them. He's playing very regularly. Um, the only guy that's got more minutes than him is their goalkeeper. Um, obviously, Alex Ring. Uh, Ragoni plays all the time, but I just feel like he's a – he, he reminds me a lot of like uh who's the guy from LAFC that they signed that was garbage uh yeah. Brian Rodriguez.
1: Oh, he yeah, reminds yeah, me yeah. a lot
0: of him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, also Argentinian. <laughs> seems to be <laughs> seems to be like um yeah, just a whole lot of spice and no capability. What's interesting about Ragoni, Ragoni's 30 years old, so it's it, like at least with Robinson you like you were taking a flyer on a young player and trying to like turn it into something. Uh Ragoni is not that. So I I, I don't I don't know what to expect out of this team. To be completely so, honest.
1: So, well, I mean, one thing they they do have is they um they have experienced MLS veterans playing center back, and so, you know, I think that um I think that really watching you know keying in on uh, on the the backup center backs with if it's Castellanos and and Volter, really keying in on them and uh, and the goalkeeper and how how often. Um, um, well, back and they've had, had Alex Ring playing
0: center back in a back three, which is which is different. Right. Yeah. Um, that, That's a that's a different wrinkle. But I don't know if we can expect to see that on Saturday or not. Like they, they, they moved out of it. Although Ring actually still did play center back even in a back four. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind um, of an interesting shift. Uh we we know about Cascante, but um they the ring playing center back was not something I was expecting to be a deal and that just makes me even more worried about um
1: You know they have got they've got uh Jossi Zardas, they've got Maxi Arudy, uh they've got Will Bruin, and so um, so it's not like they, they have a toothless attack. I mean, they have, I mean, Will Bruins uh, played
0: like 64 minutes this year. I don't think it yeah, will well, Bruin's going to be a problem, but well, I mean, I although, although he likes to, the, the fucking dancing bear. God, I hated that guy <laughs> when he played for Houston. Uh, I'm not
1: necessarily afraid of, of a Rudy either, but, um, but these are players who are experienced, you know, and they're coming up against, um, Uh, our center back pair who are not uh, generally very experienced with MLS play. And so uh, I think that that is something uh, that's a little bit concerning to me. Yeah,
0: I am. I I mean, for sporting, I'm more worried about who's available and who's going to play than I am about Austin. And and, and that's going to be the honestly, probably to your point, the story here is like, what kind of lineup can sporting roll out? Can they be effective defensively? Um, is Drew, available for more than half that those are going to be kind of the questions to be sure
1: is, is, is Leibold uh, available for more than half. That'll, that's an important question as well.
0: Well, I I think so. I I think that the only reason that Leibold, uh, didn't start the match against Vancouver was because they were sort of rotating him in Ndenbe. Um, and it had been the third match in seven days. I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, is Raj going to play some backup left back? Uh, it seems yeah, like that's I mean, in play that's for sure. It. I mean, and Den out for this one. I mean, I mean, I mean the, we, the list the list of hamstring injuries, we didn't really go through it, but, I mean, it is everybody on the back line other than the backup center backs and Tim Leibold. Yeah. So, so, we'll, so run out,
1: we'll run out Leibold, Bolader, um, Castellanos. Castellanos and, and, and,
0: and Davis. Davis. Yeah. And Davis. I mean, the, in fairness – Uh, Fontas and, uh, Rosero are questionable, but they're questionable with hamstring injuries. And I just don't feel like this is the time of the season to be turning them from questionable to out. Um, so, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I I don't know what the, the extent of their injury is. I mean, we've had some guys on the questionable list and then all of a sudden show up and play. 65 70 minutes so we'll just we'll have to keep an eye on it and see what happens um i'm excited we've got four straight games at home hopefully we can field enough healthy players that we can take advantage of those games because they're really really important if sporting wants to continue like pulling themselves out of the cellar and uh i think that that is something we want to all continue seeing if i get to see more soccer like we saw against dallas like i know that dallas got some chances in that one but The sporting played very well in that match, and I I said it to a couple folks during the match. I said, look, if they lose playing like this, I'm fine. I just don't want to lose playing like they did the first couple months of the year. Like, that was dreadful shit to watch. I want to watch a team looking competent and capable, and if we lose doing that, then so be it. I mean, that happens in MLS sometimes. Totally agree. All right, so on that note, I'm Drew. He's Cody, and we will talk to you all next week.
1: Bye.